Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Whenever I was down in Texas, we decided to put on a ranch roping. It was my bright idea. Sometimes my bright ideas are not that bright. But anyway, I decided to put a ranch roping on and uh, or a pasture open, not a ranch open, a pasture open. And uh, if you've never seen a pasture open, what it is is you, you put a bunch of rope and steers in a, in a trailer and then like you let one out of the front part into the back part. And then whenever the teams are ready, it's a header and a healer. Uh, whenever they say go, you open up the back of the trailer and the steer just runs out into the pasture and you give him like a head start up until a certain point and then they just thunder after it and you head and heal it just like in the arena except there's mesquite everywhere. And it, it gets pretty it gets pretty rank, to be honest with you. And so, uh, but but it's cool to see the cowboys in their elements, right? Because most of the time, I mean, like, Unless you've actually ridden with us, there's probably only three people here that has seen me and Ty and Caleb and Mitch and Brett and Gary and, you know, all the guys that help us watch us rope something in the pasture. And so it, it's fun to, to watch these guys get out there and, 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 you know, be cowboys. And it's, you know, they're, they're weaving through the mesquite and the cactus. And then, you know, down there, you got to pick your spot to rope. So you're trying to get them towards this little clearing that you'll just have, you know, about two swings to rope it in before it gets into the brush again. And it just, it doesn't really get any more majestically cowboy than that. You know, everybody's in their long sleeve shirts and their shaps and, you know, it just looks cool, right? Let me tell you what's going on on the inside with those guys. You're, you're talking to yourself the whole time, right? So you look cool and you get up there and it's about your turn. And, uh, you know, you're, you're telling yourself, okay, I'm fixing to be running full stupid through this pasture and don't you dare fall off. <laughs> Every cowboy's thinking the same thing. I do not fall off. Everybody's watching. You're like, okay, I think I'm ready. Did I cinch my horse up tight? Yeah, these are things that go through your mind, you know, while you're looking majestically cowboy, right? You know, all serious and everything. And, uh, you know, and then they'll, you'll see them start messing with their coils, you know, like they're getting everything straight in their mind that they've straightened their coils 14 times already. It's not about the coils. It's they don't know what to do with their hands while they wait. And so, uh, and then that little, that little thing in the back of your head will start saying, what do you think you're doing out here? You think you're cowboy enough to do this? And you're like, yeah, I'm cowboy enough to do this. I've done it like 2000 times. Then that little voice says, yeah, but on 1,200 of them, you missed the first time. Like, shut up. I know that, right? <laughs> and so, anyway, so all this majestic looking cowboy stuff you see, it, it, it's, it just looks that way. Uh, so whenever you call for your steer, the gate opens and it runs out there a little ways. And it usually just kind of trots out there like, hey, they, they just let me go for no reason. And you let it get from about the length of this building. And then they say, go. And, you know, two horses come and the steer's like, ah! <laughs> you know, and it starts running off. And I mean, it, it's, it's wild and crazy. So you scream out across the pasture at full stupid. And, you know, you know that cowboy's eyes are like deep set against the sun. We squint because our, our lives are flashing before our eyes. And it's a little less scary if you squint. So if you ever see a cowboy screaming out across the pasture with that steely eyed look, 
He's just scared he's fixing to die. That's all it is. That's all it is. So you, you're, you're urging your horse on, and, and the faster you get and the closer you get, that inner dialogue starts coming out. It's like, okay, okay, here we go, here we go. And, and we all do it. We've got these GoPros now that we wear, and, and Jace wore one uh, the last time, and I was very proud of him because he didn't say anything. <laughs> He's like, I had to, like, bite my tongue to keep from saying something because I know it has a recorder on it. <laughs> But, you know, we're going to have to be very careful with that because that inner dialogue starts coming out like, okay, okay, hey, don't, don't go that way. Go around here. You're talking to yourself the whole time. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. And, and, and then something happens and usually you lose your Christianity. It, and uh, so you, you start mumbling and you're talking to your horse. Come on, get, get up there. You can, don't you do that. You know better than that. And then you get close enough and you start swinging. And it's like, okay, it's now or never. And you throw... You know what happened on that day? I saddled my horse, and it was about three-quarters of a mile from, from where I lived, where we were going to have the roping. And I pulled up, and I unloaded my horse. And of course, the first thing you do, if y'all don't ever know, man, you, you get there and either get your horse out first, that, that's okay, but irregardless if you get your horse out first or not, you got to go up to everybody else, and you got to do the cowboy handshake, right? It ain't one of these fancy ones, all right, like y'all kids do. It ain't nothing like that. You just have to walk up to everybody. Hey, how you doing? 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 And then if you're the next one, I mean, you do the same thing. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? You got to do that. That's just customary. So I, I got there and I did all the how you doings. And then three or four guys are like, hey, man, you want to rope with me? I'm like, yeah, I want to rope with you. We going to win it. Yeah, high five. And then my belly went. Ooh. I was like, oh, what was that? Beans. <laughs> Yeah, I got nervous. I started getting real nervous because, see, you know, in a pasture open, you got a dally. And <laughs> I'm still not a good dallier. And to, to dally means when you rope something, you wrap the rope three or four times, five times, six times, however many times is necessary, around your horn to stop it. Well, I tie on, which basically means you tie it on and you just throw it out there. And then once you're hooked up, you just... You'll live or die, one of the two. Well, that's what I was used to, but today I was going to have to dally. And I was not good at it at all. And roping and brush and trying to dally is, is double tough. So I started getting nervous and all these doubts and insecurities started making my old tummy feel like a septic tank. You know what I mean? Just like, ugh, this is ugh. And I, and I kept telling myself, man, once you get out there and you start having fun... Man, all these nerves will go away. You're going to be just fine, dude. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great. Just got to get this first one out of the way. So you know what I did? I went and put my horse in the trailer and backed out. I had to go tell those three or four guys, that, oh, man, my stomach's hurting. I'm not going to be able to rope with you. I just ran the gate. I pushed steers out of a trailer all day, watched everybody else just have a blast. And I sat there acting like I had a stomachache. I did, but you ever been there? You ever been there in one of those situations where you're just irrationally afraid of what everybody else is going to think? You know, your, your stomach is all in knots and you, you know what you should do and you know you're being irrational and you know it's stupid that nobody's out. They didn't drive all that way out there to judge me. They went out there to have fun. I, I, I know now that if you would have asked somebody later on, how did Kevin do that? Like, I don't know. I wasn't watching. How did he do? <laughs> you know, nobody cares. 
But that day, man, I was just all tensed up and so worried. Stomach was all in knots, knowing what I should do. But for the life of me, man, everything inside of me was like, no, you're not going to do that. All this bad stuff will happen. Blah, 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 blah. So I just went and put my horse in the trailer and I've regretted that day for 10 years now. I have a question for you. By a show of hands, how many of you think I should have just roped that day? I am so glad y'all said that. So glad you said that. Because see, we're going to be talking today. Paul tells us a few things in 2 Timothy that you know you're going to want to do. You know you should do these things. But inside, man, when you start to do them, man, your tummy's going to be like, oh, it's like Thai eating beans, right? Or Abe eating Israeli food. A couple of y'all know, right? <laughs> Abe eating Israeli food, man. Whoo. It's like a skunk on sauerkraut and broccoli. But you're not going to want to do some of these things. And you know, you're, you're going to know whenever I tell you what they are, you're going to be like, yeah, I know I should be doing that. Then why don't you? Because most of us go put our horses in the trailer. But just like that day, y'all sat here and told me, man, you should have just roped that day. I'm telling y'all that you should just do these things. Yeah, you'll be scared. Yeah, you may not be the best person in the world at it. Who cares? Just do these things because when you start doing these things, you will be amazed at how it will change your life. So let's talk about them. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. Paul says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. That kind of sounded, did you get all that right? Did that not sound just like a little bit churchy? In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing and of his kingdom, I give you this. I mean, nobody talks like that, right? Let me tell you what Paul is saying. There ain't a man in your family and there ain't a hair on your chest if y'all don't do this, cowboys, okay? That's, it, this is kind of a double dog dare. This is a charge. This is like, man, if you're going to get out here, you're going to saddle up and you're going to do this. You're going to call yourself a man. This is what you're going to do, okay? That's basically a charge, right? So let me read it again with that in mind. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom... I give you this charge. This is what you should do. I double dog dare you to change your life by doing these five things. And then Paul lists them, these five things. And he basically calls us out on them. Things that might make us irrationally afraid of what someone else might think of us. Five things that might tie your stomach up. Make a septic tank out of that thing. Five things that you know you should do. But most of us just go put our horses in the trailer. It seems like the world is dead set on keeping you from doing what you know you should do. But before I tell you the five things, I want to tell you something kind of cool. Okay, I usually don't do this, but these five things are written. We're going to fix and see how many nerds we are. I know, I know Brad's a nerd like me. He'll, he'll like this. These five things are written in an aorist imperative tense. A-O-R-I-S-T, aorist, imperative tense. The five things that I'm going to tell you about. Now, why is that important? Because in the Greek, the way it's written, these five things do not contain any reference to duration or completion of the action. Okay? The way that it's written in the original Greek is in an, an errorist imperative tense, which means that it does not, none of these five things 
contain any reference to duration or completion of the action. In other words, it's continual and there will never be a time in which you can say, well, I've been there and I've done that. It's you should do these things. You don't, just because you do it once, you don't get to say, been there, done that. You keep doing these things until your heart stops beating. Okay, that, that's what that means. That's the tense that it's written in. We're gonna tell you to do this. You do this from here on out. You'll never reach a level that you can stop or anything, okay? Keep that in mind as we go through these things. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, that last part where it says, with great patience and careful instruction in the New International Version, there's like the, the hyphen or the dash. And it says, with great patience and careful instruction, meaning that that applies to all of the things that Paul listed. Preach with great patience and careful instruction. Be prepared in season and out of season with great patience and careful instruction. Correct with great patience and careful instruction. Rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now I know the very first one, preach the word, right? I know that most of you, most of you are probably never going to stand up here and preach a sermon. I get that. So does that mean that it doesn't apply to you? Absolutely not. You know, I say that I got out of ministry when I started training ministers. Y'all will do more for the kingdom of God than I ever will. There's 65 people here, something like that. Y'all each know probably 50 people in your lives individually that need to know Jesus Christ. You multiply 50 times 65. How many of you are doing that in your head right now? Let's say 60 times 60. That's like 4,800, right? Not really. I'm joking. You see what I mean? Preach the word. Preach the word. Do your friends, coworkers, colleagues, and even those that you can call by name at the feed store, do they know that you're a Christian? I mean, think about it. If somebody that you do know, I'm not talking about a stranger, but somebody that you do know found out that you come to save the cowboy every single Sunday, would they be surprised? Well, I didn't know you were religious. I didn't know that you were a Christian. I didn't know that you were a believer. Why don't they know that you're a believer? Preach the word. Y'all will reach far more people than I ever will. Y'all preach the word every single day. I want you to preach the word every single day. And if you have to, if there's no other way, use words. In other words, what I want you to do is I want you to let Jesus Christ shine through your life every single day. And no matter what, I don't want you to ever hold back that. Don't hold back that, you know, man, you know, man that's great, man. I'll pray for you or something like that. I'll send you good vibes. Don't say that. Tell them that you'll pray for them. There's a thousand things that you can do to make it publicly known that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't put a... a, a a shade on that lamp, let that thing shine bright. But do so, but do so with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word. That's not just for preachers. 
That's for all of us. We are ambassadors of Christ. If you have asked Jesus Christ to save you, if the Holy Spirit lives within you, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. Don't hide that. Make it known. Make it known. The second one that Paul talked about was be prepared in season and out of season. What does that mean? God is probably not going to use you at church, okay? There's probably not going to be some monumental thing that happens uh, where God uses you to the best of your ability while here, okay? He's going to use you out in the pasture, at work, at the gym, maybe at the cell barn, I don't know. But don't, uh, in other words, you, you don't have to just be prepared. Don't be just prepared at church on Sunday morning. Be prepared on, you know, don't, be, don't just be a Christian on Sunday. Be a Christian on Monday. Well, a lot of us aren't ready for that. Maybe Tuesday, okay? Maybe Tuesday. No, not really. You know what I mean. Be prepared in season and out of season. Be prepared at all times. Never let your guard down. Represent Jesus Christ at all times. At all times. You know what it takes to be prepared? You know the only way that you can be prepared? What is it? Practice. You cannot be prepared any other way than to practice. You know what a person that ropes a dummy once a week can end up roping like? A person that ropes a dummy once a week. That's exactly what they'll rope like the rest of their lives. You know what a person that ropes a dummy every day can end up roping like? Better than everybody else. And you know what? There's this thing. Y'all have heard me say this before. That there's this knock on Christianity like, well, they just, them Christians just think they're better than everybody else. You dang right. You dang right. I want you to be better than everybody else. I want you to be better at loving people better than everybody else. I want you to be better at giving than everybody else. I want you to be better at helping people better than anybody else. I want you to be better at uh, forgiving. I want you to be better at, at seeing a need. I want you to be better at praying. I want you to be better than everybody else. Of course I want you to be better. And Jesus wants you to be better too. So that you can reach more people. So that people, when you're preaching the word, so that people will come out because you're prepared in season and out of season. So that somebody will come up and say, what do you have that I don't? How come you've got peace in your life? How come you've got joy? I know you've got problems, but how can you get up every single day and do all of this stuff? Well, let me tell you, it boils down to my relationship with Christ. Because for the believer... This is the only hell we will ever know. And we will spend eternity in perfection. For the unbeliever, this is the only heaven they will ever know. Which one would you rather have? Hell for a little while, heaven forever. Or heaven for a little while and hell forever. Gives me hope. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct is what the next thing Paul talks about. He talked about preach the word. He talked about being prepared. And then he says to correct people. Now, before we all get on our high horses and run out there to try to boss people around and be bossy, start correcting people. Let me, let me clarify what that means. Correcting means helping somebody that's trying, okay? Helping somebody that's trying. When Ty was teaching me to ranch rope, I was trying to learn how to ranch rope. And then whenever I was out there and I was doing something, he would correct the things that I was doing wrong. Okay, now, if somebody's not wanting to be a ranch roper, if my brother comes up from Texas and he goes out and ropes cattle with us, Ty is not going to correct him, 
You know, because he's tied hard and fast. Ty is not going to come up there and say, well, you know, if you're going to be ranch roping, you've got to get your shoulder back like this. And not. Ty's not going to say that because Jason's not trying to ranch rope. In this sense, when you correct somebody, it's like somebody is trying to do something and they're making a mistake. Then correct them. It does not, it is not a blank check that Jesus says, hey man, go find somebody that's stinking it up and get on their butt about it. That is not what it says. Correct. Correction should always be done in love and truth. It should guide someone closer to Jesus Christ, not our personal opinions. Well, in my opinion, you ought to do it like this. That's not correcting somebody. You can only correct people with the word of God. And it should be done with great patience and careful instruction. The fourth one that Paul talks about is probably the most abused is on one side you have correcting, on the other side you have rebuking, you know. And, and, and rebuking isn't one of those things that we use in everyday language, right? I think that me and Mitch and Ty and, and, and Brett uh, will start using that because we've got, we got a few cows, mainly Roberts, that a few of them need rebuking. So maybe, maybe we'll start using that in everyday cow, but we're going to bring it back, bring back rebuking. But what, what does rebuking mean? Maybe we could say that it is loving someone enough not to put up with their crap, okay? Think about that. It is loving someone not enough not to put up with their excuses. It's not necessarily behavior that we walk around and, well, I rebuke your behavior, right? That, that's, that's, not, that's not really what it is. It's a mindset and excuses. You know, so, somebody that's like, trying to add something to the gospel. Well, you know, you, you've got to be baptized to, uh, to go to heaven. No, you don't. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized. Jesus said he'd be with him in paradise that day. Now, do I think that baptism is important? Vastly. But it's not a requirement of salvation. Faith is the only thing that you can be made right with God with. Faith and faith alone. Now, as a result of that faith and the result of being saved, there's a lot of things that we do. And we've talked at length about that. But rebuking is more about uh, a mindset, okay? A uh, excuses to say, you know what? No, that is not right. It, it's kind of a different form of correction. It's like, look, no, no, that ain't right. That is not right. But you only do it with the word of God. And you also do it with what? Great patience and careful instruction, now, my whole deal with correcting and rebuking is this right here. God will never lead you to correct or rebuke someone that he is not also leading you to mentor. It is not one of these things that you just get to go out there with a hot shot and look for somebody that's not going up the alley, right? Just, yeah, just light them up, right? That's not what correcting and rebuking is about. If God leads you to correct someone, or if God leads you to rebuke someone, he is also leading you to take them underneath your wing and give them a place to live. We have had, <laughs> we've had meth heads live in our office at the ranch. I mean, we have truly brought people in and mentored them. That's what we do. God is never going to lead you to correct or rebuke somebody, but he's also not calling you to mentor and take under your wing with great patience and careful instruction to lead them to God. And finally, the last one, and then we're out of here. 
This is my personal favorite. Encourage. Encourage. There's nothing more encouraging than taking someone along in your journey. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that we, we don't take it for granted, but anything becomes kind of normal. It's normal for me and Ty and Mitch and Brett to go out and work together. We enjoy it, but it's just kind of what we do. But we take somebody that's never been before, and they absolutely, it changes their world. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. There's nothing more encouraging than just to take somebody with you and say, come on, let's go. Don't blow smoke, okay? You can encourage without blowing smoke. But you know what? Everybody does something well. Focus on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on Caleb. I saw him post on social media one day. He wrote something. And this guy just totally took everything he said and turned it inside out and backwards and forwards to where it didn't even make, it, it didn't even, there wasn't even this much of truth that the guy was arguing with Caleb about. But the guy said something about Denver traffic. And based upon everything that this guy had done to Caleb and turned everything he said inside out and was arguing with him and blah, 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 Caleb responded with, you know, I don't like Denver traffic either. I don't like Denver traffic either. Instead of acting like me and mouthing off and getting PO'd, well, just how big a boy are you, right? That, that's my modus operandi. I'm not proud of it. I'm working on it, but it's one of my struggles. Some people think they can, say, they can type whatever they want without getting punched in the mouth. But Caleb, man, he found something to connect with somebody with. And that was awesome. Encourage. Man, none of us have our life together. None of us have everything together. You can sit up here all day. Y'all could take turns about all of my mistakes. I could probably do the same with you. But let's help each other. Let's encourage each other. Man, if you're doing something good, let's build upon that. And then we can start working on some of this other stuff later. Let's do something good first. Encourage. So Paul gives us this charge. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You know, not too long ago, Sarah, she's our, uh, she's our admin bookkeeper and stuff. She had the opportunity for the first time to go out on one of these wild cow ropings of helping a guy out. Didn't know him, but uh, Mitch found him or he found Mitch or something. And so uh, me and Ty and Mitch and Brett and Jace and Sarah went out there. I, I was running the drone and we put a GoPro on Jace uh, to film everything. But Sarah got to go for the very first time and we're, she was riding with me and my wife. And uh, anyway, I, I asked her, I said, are you nervous? And she goes, horribly. I was like, well, what are you nervous about? I said, you're not gonna be the one that ropes this. She goes, I know, but I'm still nervous. She goes, what if I mess up? And what if I'm in the wrong place? I'm like, <laughs> just do your best, do your best. She said, okay. So we, you know, we got out there and they got saddled up and the cow that they were going to have to rope was standing down there by the, uh, by the dirt tank or uh, pond as you Yankees call it. And uh, anyway, it was the easiest one because it was the only black cow. She had horns. And so, uh, like three of them went this way and two of them went this way or however, two and two, whatever it was. And uh, anyway, they, Ty and Sarah went off to the left and Sarah was telling me this, this, this week, I didn't even know about it. She was really nervous about, you know, messing up or not being in the right place or getting in the way or blah, blah, blah. But uh, she said that when they were riding out there, Ty rode up to her 
and talked to her. And she said, after what Ty told me, all of my anxiety, all of my fear, all of my worries, everything just immediately dissipated. And I will remember that next 12 minutes, because that's all it took these cowboys, to rope this cow, wild cow, and drag her in a trailer. It was 12 minutes. She goes, I'll remember that next 12 minutes for the, first, for the rest of my life. It was her first wild cow gathering. And when she told me what Ty said, it really spoke to me. It really spoke to me about what God has been talking to me about. You know what Ty told Sarah? He said, come back next week and I'll tell you what he said. Actually, he didn't say it. I said that. You know, there's always a certain group of people that want to come to the brandings but don't want to do any of the groundwork or give shots. Sure, it's not the glamorous work, but it's what being a cowboy is all about. It's the guys in the trenches that make the difference, not the guys out for the afternoon. With that being said, I'm asking y'all to do a little groundwork. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com and make a monthly contribution. I know it's hard and inconvenient, but do it anyways. At Save the Cowboy, we're looking for those willing to get in the trenches. Not just those that come out for an afternoon. Someone reached you by getting in the trenches. Now it's time for you to step up. Don't be that guy that if he can't rope the whole time, he's going home. Don't be that guy. Help us reach others. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com. You can even text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977 to get with your pocket phone. It's easy. Remember, don't be that guy not willing to pull his weight. For Save the Cowboy, this is Kevin Weatherby. I'll see you next time.